This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. Hi, welcome to Clothes Making Mavens. I'm Helena from GrayAllDay.com. And I'm Lori from FrivolousAtLast.com. So in this episode, we are talking about sewing for a good cause. And we were inspired by Gila's segment from last episode. If you recall, our Joy correspondent uh, talked about how she was so inspired by Ava Bossenberger, who decided she was going to try to make 180 dresses uh, for a charity. And Gila and all of us just found that so touching and lovely. And we started to mm-hmm. think about sewing for charity, sewing for a good cause, uh, and how we can put our superpowers to work for that. Yeah, so then when we were at Pattern Review Weekend uh, just a couple months ago, I got to talking to Lorianne Payne, and she mentioned that she had been to Peru on this Sewing with a Mission, and I was instantly just sucked in I'm like oh my gosh that sounds amazing I said wait don't tell me another word I want you on the on the podcast (laughs) so I didn't let her tell me anything about it (laughs) so um even though I was fascinated so we get to talk to her this episode and and actually hear about it yeah yeah and we'll also talk to the woman who started sewing with a mission uh, and took Lurianne on this trip to to Peru to teach sewing skills to disadvantaged women so we'll talk to them coming up but first we're going to go to the wise Barbara Imodi, who definitely uses her superpowers, her sewing superpowers, to give back. So let's hear from Barbara. Hi, this is Barbara Modi, and I want to talk to you today about service sewing, which I think is a very important topic, but it happens right now at this point in my life to be something that I'm personally very committed to. This kind of service sewing that I've been involved with has both been group and individual. I want to talk about the group first, which is, I'm a member of the Atlantic Sewing Guild, which has about 100 members in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and we all sew a lot for ourselves uh, and for our families, and we every year take on a service project where, as a group, we work together on something that requires our very particular skill set to help other people, and I think... I think this is, it's really important, I think, if you're involved in creative work. I think if you work in a creative way, you are receiving some energy yourself from that process. It's not just uh, like many things that we all do in life, you know, caregiving or work. We're using our resources and giving it out. One of the distinguishing things to me about creative work is as you produce, you actually are receiving a lot back. I know this is very true for me. I feel very nurtured uh, spiritually, uh, as well as intellectually in every other way by my sewing. So because we're engaged in an activity that has enriched us, I think that expressing that in a way where we are sharing creativity as a gift. I mean, you've been given a gift and you give it a little bit of that back. I think it's very important. I also increasingly am uh, considering the idea of the culture of women. 
and how important sewing is to that in on several levels. One is it is not institutional knowledge. It is kind of, you know, the the institution of domestic and family and personal life uh, is because actually I've been working on some patterns that working girls use to dress themselves to go to work in the 20s and 30s, um, you know, they call creation of self, uh, really important, but that this is something that women handed on to each other, you know, intergenerationally or between friends. And that idea of a transferable skill that you are gifting another person is, I think, part of our cultural heritage, particularly as female sewers. So I am really wary right now that that uh, wonderful chain, historical chain that we are part of doesn't stop now. And I have been thinking of, you know, various things we do with our sewing. And I'm always concerned, um, you know, that there's a certain, I guess the impetus to everything has got to be monetized, you know. You're doing it, how are you going to make some money out of it? Um, I've thought about this since I wrote my book. I mean, you don't make any money. I think I make enough. But I think five books will buy me a spool of thread. If anybody's considering becoming a millionaire writing a sewing book, you probably should know that part. Um, but I think it's made me realize that, you know, sharing things with the book was important to me. And it was you know, one area where I was compensated as I have been for sewing classes I've taught for for decades, but that didn't do any more for me or wasn't any more important to me than any time. Uh, actually, it was less important than when I have had particularly a younger sewer or a woman who is just starting in sewing who was frustrated and she has said, ah, oh, look, I'm, I'm no good at this. I'm not creative. And to be able to sit down and say, you know what? You can do this. It's going to make all the difference. And have her say, oh, that's so cool. That's so easy. This looks so great. I mean, that's when sewing gives me uh, back a little more. So I think that that kind of continuity of, of culture is really important, that we're not so distracted by having to, you know, get some sort of financial gain. And also, it's, it's like a relay. I mean, sewing and women are a human chain. I mean, that's what we are. We're a human chain. And we pass so much on. I mean, anybody who's had a friend show you how to burp a baby or uh, you know, all of all of those things. It's, you know, all that kind of knowledge uh, is just really important. I, My granddaughter was who cooks all the time, and she said that we sh need a picture in a sign in my kitchen that says, my kitchen is your kitchen in Spanish, because uh, she feels that yeah, that she has come to my kitchen and learned how to cook. So it's a really that that's really important to honor that. So you can do it as a group and you can do it individually. Uh, the Atlantic Sewing Guild, that's where I started with this, the kinds of projects we have done. We um, have made uh, things that a lot for Alzheimer's patients who... Um, 
you know, often part of, of some of, you know, the aspects of dementia is kind of fiddling with your hands and being very calmed by having something to touch. So we have made like muffs that have buttons and zippers and ribbons and tactile details, which we all have like mountains of that stuff in our houses. Uh, so they can, it's like tag blankets for um for older people who are dealing with various stages of memory loss, we've done that. We have on the um, on a similar kind of population. We have just finished a big project with the VON where we made aprons because the VON has a program. Um, you know the kind of uh, the comforting aspect of of tasks and and kind of reconnecting, uh, doing a process or task you've done your whole life is cooking, and we made aprons for. Um, uh, people who came to these cooking days so they could put on an apron, you know, for people who put aprons on a million times in their lives to just put on a nice apron and, you know, go reconnect with the cooking tasks that they've done their whole lives has been really important. And the aprons that people made were phenomenal in my group. On more practical levels, another project we did was with the woman's shelter. I mean, if you come in the middle of the night to a, a you know, out of an abusive situation to a shelter, you often can't take a lot with you. And one of the things that people were missing was, you know, a, a change of underwear. So we've had panty making sessions. Um, so you can do things like that with a group and often it is, uh, you know, hospitals and hospital auxiliaries are really well organized, but any, you know, women's shelters or, you know, programs for, you know, people, uh, with memory problems are, are often really open to things like this. I think it's important to understand though, that you can be, part of a kind of a movement and contribute to your with your sewing skills without feeling that you know there's one more meeting you have to attend which many of us just can't do we don't have the schedules or the time and that brings me to another um, group that I think is really really important that again my guild has worked at but solo sewers have worked at and that is days for girls which is a program that's days for girls you might not be aware of and it, it you basically make they have developed a pattern i think they had 27 iterations to get the right pattern for um you know menstrual pads uh, fabric ones that can be washed and they have a pattern that, you know, so these will last for three years. And this is in response to, of course, as it always is, a personal experience. Um, someone who's in uh, Nairobi in Kenya and found that many women in refugee camps or in poverty, when girls had their period, they had no way of, you know, dealing with their menstrual flow. So they were just sitting at home. Often it was hard for them to get out to eat. They certainly couldn't go to school. So uh, I think those lucky 
uh, women like we are and, and girls who have had access to education. If you can imagine missing school, you know, a week, a month, because you're a girl, how are you going to get it on, you know, get on your feet? And of course, anybody who's been an activist or has worked in any of these areas will tell you communities rebuild and recover because of the women. And we we have to do that. Like our human chain has got to go, you know, right from our sewing blogs and our fabric stores and our conferences and all our privileged things. That human chain's got to reach over and help girls who just want to have the freedom to physically move and go to school and participate and live. Uh, and not be penalized for their gender one week a month. So that is a group, Days for Girls, that you can um, sew with or sew for as a group or as a team, they call them. But they also have a solo sewer program. So you can sign up and get the pattern, see what their fabric specs are. They're, you know, really well researched. And it's a bit, I was thinking, you know, it's a bit like Tom's shoes, you know, like uh, sell one, give one, you know, so say one, sew one, make one, um, you know, small amounts of fabric. And if that's a rhythm you can get into, you know, so for yourself and your life and, and every couple of projects, um, so for a girl you haven't met, but you are behind, uh, so you can do things like that. I think that's really important. On a more personal level, something that I have decided to do is to give away as much of my kind of sewing experience as I can um, right now. So I decided a couple of months ago that, um, again, I always have these kind of... uh, uh, epiphanies when I run in to people who are trying to learn how to sew um, and really would benefit from all my mistakes. So I decided to have a free newsletter with some, um, it's about, you know, a thousand to 1200 words. So it's kind of, you know, it's it's a thing to write. And I do it every Sunday night and send it out every Monday morning to anybody who signs up. And I try to take a small subject, like this week was thread, and just, you know, write down pretty much everything I know about it. Um, and it's all information that you're not going to find in just a review of a pattern or people, you know, even teaching you in a formal sewing class. Um, so I'm I'm kind of doing that. And if you want to receive it, you just need to um, email me and I'll put you on my list. And I don't know how long it's going to go because my theory, my theory is that, you know, that when I die, I can say, there's nothing else I can tell you, you know. There's nothing else I can share, so I'll go now. Um, so it's kind of, I don't know, that's, I find that kind of funny and amusing. I hope you don't find it weird. Um, but that's sort of how it goes, and, and it's going to go on till I get to that point. I wondered, it, when I started, I thought, well, 
what if I do this after seven weeks? I'm empty. And, but it isn't working like that. Um, you know, back to the fact that sewing and creating keeps giving you more. Um, so I sew every day practically. So I'm, I'm finding my wells pretty well replenishing. So I've done that. Um, and an offshoot of that is people have started to email me with very specific questions, and which is great. But then I've had to think about what I can do to help them, the best uh, medium for that. Um, sometimes it's you can send it back in just an email. A lady contacted me. She was making drapes for her bedroom that had an insulated foam backing and her needle was sticking. Um, and so, you know, she'd sew a couple of inches and the needle would like grab it. She couldn't get it out of this foam. So I could just, you know, I sent back an email and said, okay, just sew, you know, back and forth on a bounce sheet a couple of times. That's going to coat your needle and you'll be fine. And it worked. So a thing like that's easy to respond to. Um, but sometimes I also realize I'm talking to a visual person or someone who wants to show me what's happening. So I've added something. Nobody's taken me up on this yet, but I have high hopes to have a couple hours a week where if someone wants to uh, FaceTime me or um, Skype, that uh, we can do a face-to-face. And what I've done is uh, Calendly. I don't know if anybody knows that. Um, I'm going to put a, it's on my blog, but I'm probably going to do some, put an actual widget or a button so it's easier for people to access. So I'm just going to every week put my weekly availability when I can do that. And you can book time. And I think I'll just make it 30 minutes each um, just so... I have only a certain amount of time and also so I'll be able to, you know, do maybe a couple because I was thinking of myself. Sometimes I have um, been sewing, you know, I'll be sewing like for forever um, where I'd be like tired and, you know, the kids are bad. And I was really just wanted to get something done and something was just getting so messed up. And I didn't know what to do, and I had nobody to ask, right? I had no one to ask. So I kind of got this brainwave of trying to do some kind of, like, uh, sewing helpline, <laughs> which is nutty. Anyway, if you if you have something like that, um, I'm really happy if you can handle my me sitting in my messy sewing room and show me what your problem is, and if I can, I will try to help you get through it. So um, again, for that, you can go to my blog and I'll probably put a link in the show notes to everything. So that's kind of what I'm going to do. And um, every time somebody says, geez, I wish I could sew or how do you fix this? You know, and just say, show them. Because you know what? It's a really great feeling when somebody is doing something and they'll say, oh, that's cool. And they say to you, you know what? My aunt showed me how to do that. And um, I think that's a pretty great thing to be that aunt uh, and to be the person who showed somebody something. I mean, I'm at heart a teacher uh, because, the you know, Knowledge people carry with them their whole lives, and uh, that's our job. Okay, so that's it for me. Thanks. Bye-bye.
I just love Barbara's enthusiasm for engaging people in sewing and helping new sewers. I know it's amazing what she does. I mean, she even, you know, will set up a Skype call with people now. I mean, that is so great. Mm -hmm. You can really tell that she, um, she just wants to be an ambassador for sewing. And she definitely wants to use her superpower to give back. Yeah. Speaking of giving back through sewing, uh, let's introduce our guests for today. They're both experienced in using their passion for sewing for the greater good. So Lorianne Payne is joining us from Colton, Oregon. Hi, Lorianne. Hi, Lori. Hi, Elena. Hi, Pam. Hi. <laughs> Hi. And Pam Demore, who is also known as the Decorating Diva, is joining us from Champlain, New York. Hi, Pam. That's Hi, uh, hi everyone. Yep, it's rainy finally in Champlain. Yay! Oh yeah, has it been pretty dry? <laughs> it's been super dry, yeah. Oh dear. So. so Pam, before we talk about sewing for good causes, which is kind of the which is the theme for today's show, um, mm-hmm. I was curious about your superhero name, the decorating diva. Uh, tell us about how you came to have that name. Well, it started out. Um, I. I had a full-service interior design business, and I started teaching sewing about 30 years ago. And so I was looking for a different name because I was going to sell my design business. And I was at a sewing convention in Las Vegas, and I got off the elevator, and some of my students were waiting to get on the elevator. And they go, oh, it's Pam Demore, the decorating diva. And I was like, oh, there's my name. And it's funny because I'm really not a diva. Lorianne can tell you that. I'm just a farm girl from upstate New York. So it's, I say if anyone's a diva, it's my little dog. <laughs> so you got christened a diva. <laughs> I got christened a diva, exactly. And I just think it was just kind of funny. It's just kind of a play on words. And it, it, sounded, it sounded good. You know, it was easy. And um, so I, I st- stuck with it. So anyway, that's, and so I've been teaching sewing um, as my main source of income for almost 30 years. So great. Who do you teach? Do you teach adults or children? Mostly adults. I teach at sewing conventions, sewing conferences, sewing guilds, sewing stores. Um, And that's um, how I met Lorianne. I was teaching at a store in her area in Oregon, and she attended one of my workshops. Mm. Well, Lorianne, the way we became friends is we met uh, just a few months ago. You and I and Helena met at Pattern Review Weekend, uh, which was happening in Portland, Oregon, very close to where you are. And you told us about having taken a trip with Pam to Peru to help teach people how to sew. Can you tell us about that trip? It was a life-altering experience. I also took my dear husband, who... um, he was the sewing machine repair man of the trip, and I assisted with 18 other people on teaching the people how to sew. So it's it's life-altering in many ways in that, A, you're going to a foreign country that speaks a foreign language, and you're not used to the customs necessarily, and, and you just fall in love with the people who just want to learn how to sew, and they're so excited to be there, and you're so excited to teach them. And it's, it's a loving, giving, learning process that just changes you forever. <laughs> mm. Well, take us through the, um, like the day-to-day. You, you landed in, where did you go exactly in Peru? We all met up first in Houston, Texas, and then we all flew together and landed in uh, Lima, Peru. We flew to Huanaco on a little teeny tiny plane. 
and uh, spent a week there. And uh, we set up all of our sewing machines. We A lot of materials were donated, uh, some which we brought and some which were donated and we brought down. Uh, we divided the uh, sewing machines uh, amongst the people. And we had little projects for them to do every day. Uh, The first day, we'd pretty much talk to them about how to use the sewing machine and and do a very, very simple little bag project. The next day, we might do another bag with more details in it. Um, We had little gifts to put in in the bags to, to give to them. So every day, they were excited, A, to learn how to sew, and then B, to see what the project was going to be and what their little presence might be. Each of us had a group of people, ranged anywhere from maybe eight to ten people each, and they kind of rotated through our stations. Um, Some took to sewing immediately, others were scary, (laughs) and and sent sewing machines to Larry, (laughs) who fixed them. He fixed about, I think, between 27 and 30 of them while he was down there. It was amazing. Wow. Um, So... Um, we just we formed friendships with the people during the week and and taught them to sew the best we could. Um, they were, were of course used to the heat and extreme humidity. Um, uh, fortunately, there was a little air conditioning in this one venue, uh, so it wasn't too hard on us. But uh, uh, that was a factor too, just working with them and teaching them nice, nice. how to sew. So this was all part of Sewing with a Mission, which is basically a volunteer organization. You started up, Pam, is that right? That's that's correct. I started it in uh, 2018, and it was something that had been like um, like a, on my 10-year um, bucket slash prayer list, and um, it was something I really wanted to do. So we did our first trip in 2018, and that's where we met the people in Huanico. And so Lori joined us in 2019, and, and she's playing down her husband. Her husband was a <laughs> godsend. He took a half-day course on sewing machine repair, and that poor guy was on the bench for like two weeks straight with his phone, like Googling how to do repairs on different <laughs> like odd brands and machines. And I mean, he just, he was amazing. He made parts out of parts and pieces he could find and he was just pretty amazing I mean I don't know what we would have done without him yeah yeah that really makes a difference I've I've been in places where uh you know (laughs) there isn't just a sewing machine dealer around the corner uh and you have to make do you've got to fix it you've got to sort it out you've got to jig something together with whatever is available right yeah exactly so did you guys donate the sewing machines or did they have them there or did you bring them or how did that work we brought them with us. They were donated by friends, families, neighbors, sewing stores, people we knew, people we were in touch with. We just uh, donated, um, got donations wherever we could find them, and we just we took them all. And I had a, um, a bridal shop that went out of business that donated 30 wedding gowns. So it's amazing that wedding gowns, brand new mm. wedding gowns, still in the plastic, make great packing material when you're trying to pad sewing machines. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in addition to the... To the, teaching them how to sew, we have two um, cities now that have a bridal shop slash formal wear rental shop now that they've started with these dresses that we brought. Oh, fantastic. Oh, so oh my why, why did you choose Wanako in Peru as the, the focus of this mission? Well, we didn't choose Wanako as much as um, uh, Pastor Adam Fowler chose it for us. And he was the one who... Um, 
he chose it for us because he knew that there was this orphanage that needed uh, some 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 guidance. Um, so this orphanage that was started by Jim Anderson and his wife um, it has um, anywhere from like 10 to 14 girls that have been rescued from the, the sex trade who have been abused by their families or by their community or by whoever. And um, they've rescued them. Plus there's a women's shelter just outside of the city. And so I spent my time working with these young girls, talking to them and teaching them where Lorian and her team got to be, um, they worked with more of the women of the church and in, in that little community, um, the women that came to the conference center at the hotel. So it was kind of like a really two totally different groups. I focused on teaching them production sewing so that they could make things quickly and and things to sell. Where Lorian's their focus was more teaching them life skills. Mm-hmm. Oh, and cool. So these were women that were coming from difficult life circumstances, and oh and yes. So why sewing? How how will sewing? I mean, I think anyone who listens to this podcast <laughs> is obviously a huge fan of sewing and passionate about it. We all know the answer as to why sewing, but I'll ask that anyway. Well, I I think of it in that like for me, sewing sewing to me has saved my life. Mm-hmm. I I come up, like a lot of people. I come from a dysfunctional family. Um, Sewing has always been my my um, my anchor, my lifeline, um, my source of creativity, my source of income, and I just wanted these young women to have the same um, types of advantages in sewing that that I got, and so and that's my gift. And I know Lori, that's her gift. We just wanted to share our gift with other people because we feel extremely lucky and extremely um, grave grateful for all the benefits that life has given us. And we just want to share that. Hmm. Would you agree, Lori? Absolutely. Absolutely. We are so blessed. And it, it's just a joy to be able to share that. Awesome. Do you want to tell us specifically about some of the people that you got to meet in Peru that you got to teach? Um, well, most of the girls that I worked with were young women who had been rescued from the sex trade. So um, I didn't ask them a lot of personal questions. But... Um, one in particular that I knew about um, had a baby on her ninth birthday. <gasps> oh. Yeah, that's everybody's response. It's like a gasp. She was um, she was raped repeatedly at a very tender age and and became pregnant. And when she was like eight and a half months pregnant on her ninth birthday, they took they took the baby cesarean so that she they would both survive. So there's a lot of cases like that, a lot of really young moms, little girls who have babies and then live with older men because they have no other forms of of survival, and then they have daughters, and those daughters become abused, and it's just a vicious cycle. And so I was more closely connected with that, where Lorianne got to be with really young families that were very poor but maybe had a better chance and, and maybe a little more... Um, a, maybe a little bit brighter future, wouldn't you think, Lorianne? Yes, yeah, for for the most part. Although I think this segues into uh, Nellie that I met. There was one lady that came through um, my group every single day. She immediately took to the sewing machine and uh, was just precious, would stay after and try and talk with me the best she could and, and so forth. And, and, and I took to her, too, as well as one of the other workers, Beverly, that, that came down with us. 
Um, at the end of that week, and I had kind of had this in the back of my mind anyway, um, I thought, you know, I want to make a difference in one person's life, uh, along with my husband. And uh, we asked um, if it was okay to buy one of them a sewing machine. I had planned to set her up with a machine and fabric and, and notions and whatever. It was just absolutely under, overwhelming to her. And in fact, uh, the sewing machine that we bought her, she thought we were buying for her church. And, mm-hmm. and we said, no, 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 we're, we're buying this for you. Uh, we very, very much felt spiritually led to this one particular girl without knowing her circumstances at all. It turns out her circumstances are that um, she is a very young mom with a severely disabled child that um, has no mode of transportation, not even a a wheelchair or anything, and just lays in bed all day. And, And she has no way of supporting him. And so we thought, wow, the sewing machine gives her an ability to sew and learn and grow and have an outlet and help her family survive. So that was just an amazing bonus after we after the fact. But uh, the last day, uh, we all met up, my husband and her and me, and uh, we had the cash and she had the Spanish <laughs> and the know-how to get us around town to find the sewing machine of her dreams. Um and to see a little bit of the culture, um, it, it was it was absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, the downside would be that the sewing machines there you don't have much to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to three different places all over town, um, and we found some old brother. Uh, mechanical machines and and then we went to one shop that had lots of appliances and whatnot and it had uh, a little corner area uh, with I think it was about four sewing machines so I picked the top of the line one because I wanted her to have all the bells and whistles and play with all these new toys and be excited just as I am when I get a sewing machine and um, she was so excited about it I wish you could have been there. I wish you could have experienced that with us. It was just delightful. It made my heart sing as much as hers. Anyway. Yeah, she was, she was definitely thrilled about the whole thing. She really yeah. was. You can just hear the emotion in your voice, Lorianne. It uh, clearly was a really life-changing experience for you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, she did as much as she could with her little bit of money, too. She wanted to treat us as much as we wanted to treat her. Um, I had brought along a little pair of earrings for her, and she had brought a little tiny pair of earrings for me, and she gave them to me, and I gave mine to her, and she put them in my ear, and oh, it's precious, precious. <laughs> and then we would walk through the market, uh, stinky market, man. <laughs> and you know, uh, to the fabric shops and the and the haberdashery places and so forth. And um, she'd hug me and she'd hold my hand to make sure I was getting through the crowds and and not getting uh, pickpocketed or whatever. And um, and uh, hailed a little three pedal wheel vehicle. Uh, uh, it it's um, gas powered, but a little teeny, right? Scary, like a giant taxi. tricycle kind of, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 
yeah. 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 It was. And we went all over town. Oh, my goodness. What a wonderful experience. <laughs> Tell but, me about, I don't know if you got to see fabrics that were locally made. Were there Because I know I've seen pictures from Peru of colorful, amazing fabrics. And so did you get a chance to see the local fabrics? Yeah. We, we went into um, Lima and we did um, get, get into the textile area and bought a bunch of the um, local fabrics, and we actually have made them into kits, and we're selling the kits at different sewing conferences to try to raise money for um, future sewing machine purchases and um, to raise money to send back to the girls um, that we worked with. One of the things that we have done is we, we've hired teachers to continue the teaching, so we have to help subsidize them so that they can continue teaching the girls. Right. So. Basically, you've turned this into a full-time ongoing school for sewing. Is that right? Actually, there's actually three schools right now. There's one at the women's shelter, there's one at the orphanage, and then there's one at the the new location in Trujillo. They've actually took uh, taken an apartment that was attached to the church, and they're remodeling it, and they've made a sewing school. They've built tables and put a sewing school in there. So, And the pastor's wow. wife is doing the teaching there. Yeah. So, um, And then what we're trying to do for next year is raise money to buy machines there. I've been working with... Um, to um, sewing machine company distributors that are, are based in Peru to see if they'll um, like set up an account with us so that we can purchase machines directly in Peru. Because when we buy a machine, bring a machine from the States, mm-hmm. we have to buy a transformer. So if we get them there, we're helping the local economy. Plus mm-hmm. we're getting machines that are made for that electricity. Plus if we could give all the girls like the same machine, it would be easier for them to sew together because they would all understand each other's machines. They'd use the same parts. They'd use the same feet. It'd make it a lot easier for people like Larry to do repairs. If they're all the same. <laughs> we should have had Larry on the show today. Oh, he was great. He was, I mean, he was so awesome. Yeah. He is. You raise a really good point, Pam, about uh, supporting the local economy. I mean, sometimes when we hear about something like this, we think, oh, what can I send? You know, can I donate a machine? Can I send fabric down? And ultimately, it really works much better if people can donate money and that money can yeah. be spent locally to support the local businesses, the local manufacturers, as opposed to purchasing things here in America and Canada and having it sent somewhere overseas, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. So that's that's our goal right now. We're we're starting a, a what we're calling an, an adopt a sewing machine program. Where once we we figure out what the price of the machine that we want to purchase, we'll let people know that they can actually adopt a sewing machine, and that sewing machine will be donated to a girl with their name on it, saying, "This machine was provided for you by so and so living in the city in the United States or Canada, wherever they're from." And so people, this way the girls have they actually have a connection to a real person in the states who cared enough to donate. So they could have a sewing machine. That's a great idea. Yeah. So how do we donate? What's what do your fundraising efforts look like right now? Well, we um, are an official five hundred one c three. Our business name is Sewing with a Mission. So I mean, we can you can send checks. We also have a um, GoFundMe page. Um, but if you go through GoFundMe, it is um, they do take a pretty large percentage, so it's it's totally up to people if they want to send directly or also if they're on Amazon, they can sign up for Amazon Smile, and when you do that, when you sign up for Amazon Smile, they give one half of one percent of everything you buy. They would donate it to the charity of your choice, and we you can you can list us as the charity of your choice. 
Oh my goodness, that would be a ton of money for my household. You would just <laughs> be funding. <laughs> Easy so to donate, then, Helena. Get on that. <laughs> totally. Yeah. All you do is you type in smile.amazon.com, and uh-huh. you can you can name your charity. And then when you sign on, every time you sign on, just sign on under smile.amazon.com instead of just amazon.com, and it'll automatically send that money to your charity. That's wow, that's amazing. Okay, that's really good to know. And we'll yeah. put the links in the show notes for everyone. Um, and then are you planning any more trips? Like, is this going to be an ongoing thing? Yeah, well, we're doing, um, we're playing another one. Our tentative departure date is around January 30th to 31st, coming back around February 15th, I think it's somewhere around there. But we're looking into doing um, another trip. And the reason why we go like in January, February, for me in particular, is where where I teach when I teach the girls at the mission at the um, orphanage and at the women's shelter, they're required to go to school full time until they graduate from high school. So um, their school break, their summer break is January and February. So that's why we go then because that's when the girls can have time off where they can attend sewing classes for a full week as opposed to the rest of the year when they're in school. Oh, that's perfect. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Barbara Imodi, who is a contributor to our Clothes Making Mavens podcast, um, uh, we heard from her earlier in the episode, and she talked about how she thinks, she believes sewers have been given a gift, a creative gift, where, you know, it's our superpower, right? And she talks about how important it is to give a little bit of, of that gift back, and that gifting another person with a transferable skill is part of our cultural heritage, particularly for women. I'm just wondering how much these kind of ideas played a part in just in deciding to start up sewing with a mission pam and also attending uh this this trip for you laurianne well i for me it's it's been my gift ever since i can remember and i've always wanted to share it and i you know i mean that's how i make my livelihood that's how i pay for my house that's how i bought all this thread and these sewing machines behind me but you know <laughs> i i feel that you know i have enough stuff and it's time to give back and um and the best way that I can give back is to share what these two little guys can do. These two little teeny hands, share what they can do, share what my heart can do, share what my head can do. Mm-hmm. For me, Laurieann, I am, uh, I've always been a fan of travel. And this actually started back in 1994. I went to Ecuador uh, to meet the children that I supported through Children International. And uh, I also took their mom to buy a sewing machine and went to several stores. And the best we could do was an old singer with cams in it. Uh, But she was delighted. And I was amazed at how she created clothing without pattern. She'd just lay some newspaper on the ground and and create her own pattern and and create clothes for her family. I guess I was just born with this gene of of giving, uh, sewing things, which just makes me happy mm. to do, and and hopefully makes a difference in their world as well. <laughs> it's so nice to be able to tie your own personal passion to giving mm-hmm. back somehow. I think that's yeah, so great. <laughs> so Pam, what are the future plans for sewing with the mission? Well, um, my partner, Diane, and I, she's the uh, other team leader. We've talked about how, what our exit plan might be. And so what we would like to do is to um, 
have it so that these these um, sewing schools are self-sustaining and that we can move into uh, other areas. Um, I've been asked to go to Africa. I've been asked, asked to go to Bolivia. I've been asked to go to a few other countries, Ecuador. I can't go all these places. I still have, you know, a business to run. I still have a home. I still have a husband I have to take care of. <laughs> you know, and it's all it's all great, but... I can't do it all. So I I hope to, you know, like we're starting to branch out and have other people become team leaders. So, so next year, when we go back, a couple of the ladies that were in the group, they're going to be team leaders in another city. And we have another couple that are going to be team leaders in another city. So we can start branching out and having more people go out and, and kind of just kind of share, share the dream or share the, um, the, um, the sewing knowledge with, with other people. And just hopefully, you know, we can just enable and empower these young women who feel like the only way they can survive is to sell their bodies or, or sell their children's bodies. And that's, it's, it's so sad that they have to resort to that because that is the only way they can survive. And it's just, it's, it's, it breaks your heart. It just breaks your heart because we want them to have a better life and they should have a better life because they're beautiful and they're sweet and they're kind and they're giving and they're just wonderful people. And and I'm just hoping that by teaching them to sew, it'll empower them to make a living and they can be self-sustaining by themselves. And, and then we can walk away knowing that people they're teaching, their teachers are teaching and, and they're just, they're continuing our legacy. Hmm. And so we have, uh, listeners from all around the world can anyone get involved if they're if they're interested in helping out how would that happen absolutely um if you want to email me can i shout out my email address my email's pam at pamdemore.com that's p-a-m-d-a-m-o-u-r.com pamdemore.com and just say how can i get involved um we especially would like to have people involved that are bilingual that know spanish and english Mm-hmm. That would be especially helpful. <laughs> um, that's where we kind of like, like fall, where I fall short. But also, if people know how to sew and they're bilingual, then that's the trifecta, right? <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> You're hired. So, you know, but just people who have a passion for sharing and a passion for travel and a passion for, for sewing and, and really want to make a difference in the world. Great. Well, listen, you two, thank you so much for telling us your story. It's it's really fascinating. And I can just feel the sort of the transformative power of having experienced something like this. And uh, yeah, I, I know I know what that's like. And, and it really is worthwhile. So um, we're going to talk about uh, other ways that people listening might get involved in sewing for charity. Uh, but thanks to you both so much for being here. One thing I I told the young girls when we were in uh, Peru is I felt like the Grinch and they kind of looked at me puzzled. I said, I feel like my heart has grown three sizes this week Oh, (laughs) (laughs) because they were just so amazing. And I'm sure Lori feels the same way. I do. Nice. All right. Well, take care you two. I look forward to hearing uh, updates from future trips. Okay. Got one coming up. Bye now. Thanks so much for your time. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. 
Yeah, it was so nice to talk to those two. And um, so we prepared a bit of a list of other potential places where, you know, if you can't travel to Peru, say, or or somewhere <laughs> to teach sewing, you can certainly sew from your own home and still, still make a difference. So uh, one of the charities I found is Ryan's Case for Smiles. You can find it at caseforsmiles.org. And of course, we'll put links to all of this in our show notes. Uh, but this is simply just sewing a brightly colored pillowcase for a child who is staying in hospital. So if they're seriously ill or having an operation and they have to stay in the hospital, it can be quite traumatic for them. So having a a beautiful pillowcase might make them a little bit happier. So that one's based in Pennsylvania, but there are chapters throughout the U.S. and in Canada. And I contacted them today to say, okay, if I don't have a chapter near me, can I still sew a pillowcase? And they said, absolutely, you can just put it in the mail to us and and here's the address. So I'll I'll post all that that information if you want to bang off a few beautiful pillowcases and I don't know if you're like me and you keep purchasing quilting cotton because there's such I beautiful was just gonna say that. Yes. <laughs> and yet I don't quilt so I've got quilting right. cotton so yeah that might be a good uh, because uh, they do yeah, want 100% those... cotton pillowcases for that oh yeah yeah they have so many cute novelty prints that you're just like I want this I want to <laughs> touch it I want to work with it and stuff but you you can't really wear it or yeah yeah. You know, so yeah, that's perfect for that. That's um, that's what my mom does for all her grandchildren. Oh, how sweet. I know, and it's fun because you get to, there's enough with a pillowcase that you can put three different fabrics together. Like you can put the edge and then you put, she puts like a little, um, almost like a flat piping on it. Mm-hmm. I love how, I don't quilt also, but um, I like to put fabrics together. That's the, my favorite part. <laughs> I don't want to sew it together, but I just want to put the fabrics together and you can kind of do that in the, in the pillowcase pattern that she has. I love it. Quick, satisfying sew, I'm sure. Yeah. You can also, um, so Barbara mentioned this in her segment, the days for girls is sewing the menstrual kit for the girls living in areas where, you know, the lack of access to period hygiene products can prevent girls from going to school for several days per month. Mm. We did this in my ASG. I didn't end up doing it with the group because I didn't have time to to um, to join ASG and kind of go to the meetings. And Barbara mentions that it's, you know, doing meetings sometimes is kind of a barrier to mm-hmm. getting involved. But it sounds like you could just go straight to Days for Girls and figure out how to get involved and, and not have to go to any meetings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's one that has uh, chapters all over the world, actually. I checked in there, New Zealand, oh, Australia, God. throughout Africa, South America. So, um, wow. yeah, there there can be local chapters somewhere near you. And if not, you can sign up to be a solo sewer. They have that option on the website to just go ahead and, and they'll give you the the patterns and you know what to use to put a complete menstrual hygiene kit together yeah I yeah. think that one's great I'm going to get in touch with my Toronto socialists and say hey who wants to do this with me because I think I, I I really believe very strongly in empowering girls and that something like having your period should not be a barrier to education and to full participation yeah. in life and something mm-hmm. as simple as you know for want of of pads, you know, that this right. is a huge problem. So uh, that seems like a really great way to, to use our superpower. <laughs> yeah, totally. Mm. Oh, and projectlinus.org is a famous one that we have actually done some, uh, done some projects for in Girl Scouts 
both my girls have done projects for in Girl Scouts. So that's a that's a widespread one. So you get to make blankets for children in need and Oh, Project I love Linus, like as in as in yeah. the peanuts, Linus and his Yeah, Snoopy, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Cute. And you can do I know that you can do any kind of elaborate or not elaborate. So in Girl Scouts, depending on the girl's age, like I think we did it twice with them. And so, you know, the first time when they were younger, it was like a tie blanket, like a fleece tie blanket. And then um, the second time it was more of a sewing project. So that way you can get really creative, which is is fun to do Mm -hmm. for a service project. Yeah. Uh, there's dress a girl around the world.com. Uh, and so this is where you can sew a cute dress for uh, a disadvantaged girl, uh, in, you know, somewhere where she may not have access to having new clothes at all. Uh, one of the things I know they do is they provide labels for sewers to place on the garment and they ask you to sew the label on the outside of the dress rather than on the inside. And what this does apparently is it deters predators from, uh, you know, if the child seems to be identified as being looked after by an agency, so to speak, mm-hmm. then it might deter a predator from taking the child or, uh, you know, doing something. So that's interesting. And um, I that think interesting. That, yeah, that might be the organization. Oh, actually, yeah. Again, going back to the reason we, we wanted to talk about this podcast, which was Gila bringing it up last week, um, mm-hmm. and Ava Bossenberger, right. who mm-hmm. was the one, what, how old is she? 101. She's on a mission to make 180 dresses. Um, yeah, for she just recently died last year. She died. Oh. But she was, I think the video that we saw, she was 100 or 101. Yeah. The video was amazing. So There's nice. two videos on YouTube, so you can get the long version or the short version. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she, she had made a lot of dresses. And I just, I love her getting up early with just this and starting her day like that and having this, you know, mission, vision in her head to, to do that is yeah. really inspiring videos. Well, and, and I think, too, that with with making anything, whether you're knitting or sewing or embroidering, you know, there's a meditative aspect to it where, where it's... It, uh, you know, your hands are busy, your mind is busy, but you can be sort of almost meditating on what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. Knitting can be a little bit like, you know, you're stitching, stitching, stitching. Sometimes there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of stitches that go into something. And so your mind can wander, but you can think about who you're knitting it for and kind of people believe that you can imbue what you're making with the sentiments and thoughts uh, and even prayers if, if you're religious uh, that go into that garment or whatever it is you've made that that will comfort the person who has it, which I think um, a lot of times when people sew chemo caps for friends or for mm-hmm. even for strangers in hospital, uh, that's mm-hmm. part of it is to think about while you're sewing, you know, what you hope for, for that person's recovery and that sort of thing. So, Yeah, because you can check with local cancer care organizations, and uh, nursing homes and hospitals and women's shelters and animal shelters too uh, if that is your passion to see what you can 
you can sew up for them that, that'll make make a difference in, in someone yeah I'm lives. sure they'd be happy to have some homemade things oh and one other mm-hmm. organization I wanted to mention is kiva.org k-i-v-a dot org and if you haven't heard of this one they're a micro loans organization which means they provide small loans uh, to individuals uh, in developing countries that just need a bit of a startup and so often there are loans to people who are buying a sewing machine or maybe they already have a sewing machine but they need supplies because they're create they're making clothes or they're sewing they're doing um, uh, repairs or oh alterations and that's their small business and they need a small loan to, to give them a boost so the interesting thing about Kiva is that you can uh, buy some credit with them and then go through and choose who you want to give a loan to and you can give $25 to that person or organization and $25 to that person and eventually your loan gets paid back so your credits kind of reaccumulate and then you can loan the money to somebody else so it's a it's a it's a great concept and you can just go to kiva.org and type in sewing or knitting or whatever is your personal making <laughs> passion and I'm sure you can find out someone who's uh, making their their living doing that and needs a small loan. Yeah. So those are some good ideas. We'll of course put all the show notes link link it up so that you can get to everything really easily. And we also would love to know if we missed anything that you know of because mm-hmm. you our listeners probably have even more ideas that we couldn't dig up. So please let us know. Go ahead and go to clothesmakingmavens.com and let us know. Um, We do have a Facebook group. It's a fan group where we just like to talk about sewing, but you can join that and uh, we can talk more about service sewing. And um, on our website, we have several ways you can get a hold of us. You can email us you can go through the contact form it's really easy so do let us know if we miss something mm-hmm. and i'd also love to hear from people if they've been oh, on yeah. a, a sewing related service trip um i i have done some service trips that haven't been specifically related to sewing but i um we talked about this on a, a previous episode maybe we could link up to it but i brought students to Uh, Nairobi, Kenya, where we worked with uh, AMREF Health Africa. So AMREF is the African Medical Research and Education Foundation. Uh, And we were there to create a a documentary about female genital mutilation and AMREF's uh, efforts to turn it around into something positive where girls weren't getting cut but were still having a rite of passage to womanhood. And they also had a drop-in center for for at-risk youth in one of the largest slums of Nairobi. Uh, And this drop-in center had a sewing room. And they actually had a relationship with uh, a Kenyan uh, small crafting business where they created household items, sewed household items, out of the beautiful Kenyan um, kanga cloth. Uh, And so they had trundle machines, you know, the ones that you pedaled with your feet because electricity was spotty. So that's another consideration when you're you're sewing in in places like that. And they were super old. But man, those old singers, I tell you, you cannot kill them with (laughs) a stick, right? Like the really old ones, they just go, go, go. And so, yeah, I did a little bit of stitching on those and I was really terrible at it because the whole, you know, you've got your feet involved (laughs) as well as your hands and concentrating on those those seams so that was that was something else but it was really really fascinating to see that and the girls were learning sewing Mm -hmm. skills that they could put to use and they were also getting paid to actually make these things which were then getting you know sent to the uh, 
to the the business where these items were being sold to tourists and that sort of thing. So yeah, it was absolutely fascinating. So yeah, if you've had any kind of experience like that, we would we'd love yes, to hear please. from you. Well, Helena, thanks again for another fun chat about sewing. Always happy to, to have know, one. This was really great. Very educational this time and inspiring. And I'm usually inspired by talking about sewing. I mean, that's why we have the podcast <laughs> is so we can get inspired. But this one is especially so. Yeah. Take care. Nice to chat with you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.